This is Stephen Adams. And this is Kevin Durant. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Kevin Durant. <laughs> you're Kevin Durant, mate. <laughs> Good to see you, mate. Different complexion. Okay, let's go again. <laughs> so, this is Stephen Adams. And this is Ennis Cantor. You're listening to the Down to Earth. Down to Dunk podcast. What? Down to, down to Dunk. Down to Dunk. I'll down say to that. Dunk. <laughs> Introduce yourself, mate. Here's Stephen Adams, and I'm Ennis Cantor. And you're listening to Down to Dunk podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht. We are a part of DailyThunder.com and Almighty Baller Radio. You can listen to us on Dash Radio on Saturday afternoons. With me today, special guest, Fred Katz of the Norman Transcript. Fred, what is up? The same, the same as always. Just, uh, you know, sitting here, just can't believe how entertaining these NBA playoffs have been. Oh, it's captivating. I have to watch every second I can. My wife just is yelling at me every night to stop watching this fun basketball. And you know, it's even more fun hmm. when you like make like a personal vow to yourself, like you do every year that you're going to watch every game. And like, even if you miss it, like say you go out for drinks with a coworker on a Wednesday, hypothetically, and then you uh, come back and you're just sitting down watching, uh, you know, the Celtics Washington game five on your TiVo. Already having known that the Celtics won by like 25 and they were up like 20 in the first half, it's just a blast to watch that stuff when you already know that nothing changes and it's going to be horrible the whole way through. It's so brutal. And it's, I mean, we expect kind of teams to just get destroyed by the Cavs and Warriors. But there's just been like, how many good games have there been? Maybe like four? I mean, there just hasn't, there haven't been any like really great games from like night to night not like i mean last playoffs was uh so much fun um even the mavs and thunder in the first round was more fun than some of these series and it's just it's frustrating and it's just i wish that we could have some fun before the inevitable warriors championship yeah it's disappointing it's like i want to I want to call the NBA and be like, you know what? I was fine with Warriors Cavs part three, but you told me this was going to be fun along the way. <laughs> you told me this is going to be fun. It's, you know, it's not, it's not anyone's fault. Like this right. is just random and fluky. Like mm-hmm. the NBA players are usually pretty good, uh, but this is just random and fluky, but it's just like even the close series, it's like the home team just blows out the road team. It's just the way, the way it is Boston and Washington, you know, the home team blows out the road team and, you know, Houston and San Antonio, the home team blows out the road team. It's just what's happening. Except for the only thing that I've loved in this playoffs is is Manu. The Manu game was probably my favorite thing. That so was far. awesome. That was awesome. I loved I loved Kevin Durant cursing at the mascot. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. I I, I have a hard time talking about that particular person, but the Manu stuff I loved. <laughs> uh, I thought that was so funny. The Manu, Manu stuff was he was awesome. That block on Harden was okay. Can we talk a little about how that block on Harden was tremendously lucky? It like was it was so risky. Oh my goodness! It was so risky. It was so mad. Like it was a great play because he made it, and it was a tremendous right. play. It was also so lucky. Like you could clean block. How many times have you seen James Harden get clean blocked, and it's just called a foul because he's James Harden? Oh yeah. And just because he sells it really well. Sure. And I think some of it is that the officials are kind of getting sick of his crap, I think, over the course of the playoffs where they because it looks bad on them because they'll show the replays and it's like clearly not a foul. And he's just like 
tricking the officials into some fouls. And it's not a good look for the league, not a good look for the officials. So I wonder if part of it is that, you know what, We're, it's got to be an obvious foul if it's on Harden. Um, I wonder if, that's, if that plays into it. Yeah, officials are human. Breaking. Breaking. Officials are human. Breaking news. Maybe not forever, but at least for now, officials are human. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't you think I've, – I've heard this argument recently. Don't you think they need a fourth official on the floor where these guys don't have to run up and down the court so much and they could maybe just have more eyes to be able to see these plays? Yeah, well, that's something that the league is considering. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they are considering a fourth official. There are a couple of things. There, there are some coaches who have been pretty vocal privately. Uh, obviously, they're not, it's not something they talk about publicly because the NBA just doesn't really appreciate criticism of officials coming from coaches and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And this isn't really a criticism of an official as much as it is kind of a way they want to overhaul it. But one of the things that – like I think Rick Carlisle is someone – who's been uh, internally someone pushing for that. You, you're talking to the ref guy, by the way, the guy who knows who knows all the refs and the inner workings of the league with the ref. So good question for me. Yes. But I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think Rick Carlisle is, is the coach who's been pushing the hardest for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the issues that the league would have to work out is, A, I mean, one thing that the league genuinely wonders, and I think it is a good question, is, okay, so you think that the officials now are not good enough. If you bring in four officials then you are lowering the median caliber of the league because you have to hire more officials. Mm-hmm. And thus thus the bottom 10% of officials are going to be worse than what the bottom 10% of officials are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to figure out pay and that kind of stuff too because they basically it would be, it would be expansion uh, from the officials' side. So they have to figure out pay. And they basically have to redesign the way that officials communicate and work with each other because they've – They've been working with three-man teams forever, and so the way they position themselves and the way they find stuff, like they basically have to redesign the fundamentals of officiating, and and that's something that they they worry about doing too because they figure, you know, uh, Tony Brothers has been doing this with two other people for you know two or three decades or whatever mm-hmm. it's been at least, and he's going to have you know that first season where he's going to be reverting to his old habits and he's going to slide to the wrong spot of the floor and. There are going to be a lot of blown calls, and is that one or two year adjustment period worth it? And so it's a little more complicated than just you know he gets you know eight eight eyes as opposed to six eyes on the floor. Uh, that being said, I mean I, I totally understand it and I get why it's a thing, but there are reasonable arguments for why not necessarily against it, but at least why there should be skeptical. And I think the league has talked about trying that out in the D League and that kind of stuff too. So I imagine they'll test it at summer league at some point soon, and they'll see how they like it. Yeah. And you think that eventually, I mean, all things kind of get off to a rough start, but eventually you, you think you can see why it would be a good idea. Um, sure, sure. I mean, you're also crowding the court a little bit, too. Like, you're giving, the player, you're giving the players less room. Mm-hmm. So that's a thing, too. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think overall it would probably it would probably work, is my guess. You give each official a little bit less responsibility, mm-hmm. and, and it, it, it would probably eventually work but i bet you that first year or two or three people would be like this isn't working this is going terribly mm-hmm. <laughs> i bet you it would be part of the narrative uh at least it won't be like the year that they tried the uh the different style of ball i think it won't be as big oh, a yeah. as that it was too slippery yes <laughs> that, was that was so weird <laughs> it was such a weird thing yeah well you know, that ball wasn't russell westbrook's friend <clears throat> oh no 
was that was not, not one of Russell Westbrook's friends. This is his friend. That was Russell Westbrook's first enemy. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I, I had no intention of going off there or even getting to the... Uh, the experimental ball. Uh, but we did. And I wanted to talk about team building with you because the Thunder are at a crossroads right now. They're in a place where they could very well sign Russ to his five-year max extension. They could continue with Russ. And if Russ wants to stay for his career, they could try to continue to build around him, kind of like the Mavs have with Dirk or any franchise has with a single superstar. Um, and try to get another superstar if they can, but uh, that would be extremely difficult. Um, but the Thunder at a crossroads, and we I talked with John Hamm a little bit about this on Wednesday. Uh, what do you think is the best path for a, to a championship for the Thunder? Because a lot of the, the conversations stem around like championship or bust, which I don't think is all is the way that every franchise thinks or most franchises think um but what do you think is the best path to a championship for okc something that you should always choose is chicken express this month at chicken express you can get 15 tenders eight bone in and 10 biscuits or rolls for 20 bucks think about that that's a party for 20 bucks invite some people over grab go grab some chicken express uh, their bone-in is really good, as always. Their tenders are great. Their biscuits and rolls are really good. You cannot go wrong with any of their sides. Fried okra, french fries, mac and cheese, all good. Go check out Chicken Express today. There are locations around the metro. There are locations all around Dallas. Please go check out Chicken Express today. You will not regret it. And check out that special, because I'm telling you, you can feed a ton of people and everyone will leave happy. The best path to a championship. I mean, keeping Russell Westbrook around, I think, is certainly there. I think there's there seems to be this, like, growing... It's still small, but slightly growing minority that says you should trade Russell Westbrook and get a bunch of pieces and, mm-hmm. you know, fall, fall the way down in the draft. And that's your best way of getting two superstars uh, because you're just not going to be able to draft another superstar. You're not going to sign a superstar and you're more than likely not not going to be able to draft another superstar. Russell Westbrook is propping you up into the, you know, at least the teens on a draft pick and, and more likely the twenties, the like they're 21 this year. But I, I'm a big believer that when you, you've got one superstar, it's a lot easier to get two than if you have zero. So I, I think the first sign of that is just re-signing Russell Westbrook this summer. Uh, and and they have to get their cap situation straightened out. They I, I don't know for certain what they're going to do in terms of paying the luxury tax this summer, but they're pretty close to it. They have to get themselves in a position to not just where they're either avoiding or or going over the luxury tax, but they they have to get themselves in a position to where they're set up financially in 2018, 19, and 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 so forth, where they can actually have some sort of financial. Uh, stability and consistency so that they can have consistency on the roster too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're they're in a tough, really tough spot because I think that they were just fully prepared to pay as much tax as possible and keep Kevin Durant and keep this championship contender going for the next several years and pay whatever it costs because they had saved a lot of money up until that point. Uh, but now they're in this a weird place where they've got all these guys that need to be re-upped. Um, including a guy like Jeremy Grant, who could <clears throat> be re-upped as soon as the summer, like you've talked about on your show. Um, it's They're in a, just a strange position because they're not good enough to contend, uh, but they're not bad enough to where they could drop out. 
so that they've got a lot of decisions to make. And I, I kind of wanted to go through the roster. I kind of think a lot of improvement could just be internal, though. I, well, I, yeah, I, it, and it kind of has to be, right? Right. I mean, like that's something that, like, Presti kind of talked about continuity at his, at his season-ending press conference, and mm-hmm. a lot of people had this reaction like, wait, what? You're not going to make major changes? And I think that's because a lot of those people didn't realize the Thunder were over the cap for next year. Right. So, like, what are the major changes? Like, I do think they plan on using their mid-level exception and trying to bring in a backup point guard and probably trying to bring in a couple more a couple more shooters. But, like, there are people who criticize, why doesn't Sam Presti make more trades? Like, I, Sam Presti is one of the five most aggressive GMs on the trade market in the NBA. Like, right. not a lot of – trades are not extremely common in the NBA. No. Uh, Sam Presti is one of the most trade aggressive GMs in the league. If that's your criticism, you're not paying attention to the rest of the league nearly as much as you should to be able to, you know, make make that criticism seem legitimate. So I I don't necessarily buy that stuff. I think a lot of this comes internally. Like, look, they have they shouldn't have been last in the NBA in three point percentage. Like they were. It's not like they're overloaded with shooters or anything, but like they had Doug McDermott and decided not to play him. They had Alex Sabrinas and decided not to play him. They had Andre Robertson and let him put up almost three three-point attempts a game. Mm-hmm. Like if Robertson is 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 if they use Robertson the same way Memphis uses Tony Allen, if they play McDermott consistently, they play Alex Sabrinas consistently. Like this team is not a great three-point shooting team by any means, but it's not dead last in the NBA. Like there are certain ways for them to improve internally, uh, even beyond just kind of you know, fill in the blank is only in his early twenties. So he's going to get better. Like there are other ways for them to maximize personnel better. Yeah, definitely. And they could even, I I want to see Jeremy Grant shoot more because he shot really well, but on a low amount of threes, I just want to see if it's real. Like I just want, I want him to be able to get enough threes to see if it's real. Do you Um, know what percentage of Jeremy Grant's three point shots this year were open looks? Um, like 99.9%. You're actually, I know you're joking, but you're actually not that far off because <laughs> the answer is 94%. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, and, and that's with a lot of these guys. I mean, Sabonis is probably pretty close as well because those, I mean, they had all day to shoot that ball with the way that Russ ran the offense. Um, and it makes you wonder what they could do with like real shooters there. Yeah. Yeah, no, it does. And I think that's something that they're going to do. Like, I, I do think they plan on using using the mid-level, and, and they've got the biannual as well. And, and they can. Use, I don't think they're going to use both because they don't seem like – like I don't think they're going to use both fully because they. I don't think Presti is the type of guy that's going to hard cap the team or anything like that. I don't think that's his – I don't think that's, that's, that's going to be a goal of his at all. And then he's all of a sudden trying to unload assets to get under an, you know, the apron or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's, that's his style, but – they could use portions of either, and I think that's a real, a real possibility. Like they, they are going to try to bring in a backup point guard. Like that's something that they're going to do, and automatically there's your upgrade. Like that is an upgrade right there. Yes. Like that could bring them. That could bring them to fifty. They have below replacement level point guards this year. Oh, like yeah. you, they get a slightly above average backup point guard, like a slightly above replacement level backup point guard, and right there that could take them to fifty wins. Yeah. Who do you who do you have anybody in mind? That's a free agent. I don't know yet. I know people like saying Darren Collison. Mm-hmm. I don't see that. He's off court history with the domestic violence stuff. Right. Thunder. 
are constantly. I think it would be. I, no, no one has told me specifically like no, they wouldn't get Darren Collison. That's what I'm asked, but I mean, I think it would be hypocritical for an organization that that preaches on you know character all the way that if they they went after someone with that kind of history. Mm-hmm. Well, and they've cut guys just because of that. Um, yeah, and, and I, I think that's an admirable trait in the organization. I honestly mm-hmm. think it's one of the better traits in the organization. So I uh, I would be surprised. If, if they went after him specifically, but look like there, there are a lot of guys out there who they could just sign for the minimum and it would be probably an improvement at that spot. <laughs> I know. Um, they, I mean, obviously Norris Cole is gone. You have predictions. Do you think, I, I think they probably keep Samaj just because of how cheap he is and they, yeah, they I talk about how much they like him. him. Yeah. He loves him. Yeah. That's Billy's not lying when he says that he loves Samaj. You know how you know he loves Samaje? Because he plays him constantly. He plays him. Like, he thinks he can he play great time. defense, yeah. And it's not like it's if if he just felt like like Samaje didn't play in those final three playoff games or whatever it was, but if Billy if Billy were just kind of pulling our chain and trying to increase Samaje's confidence and just kind of wanted to felt like he needed to play a conventional backup point guard throughout the regular season, that's mm-hmm. why he did it. He wouldn't have given him all those off-ball minutes. Like, he was playing him off the ball next to Russell Westbrook in fourth quarters of close games. Like, oh, down the stretch. I know. He wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't, <laughs> oh, I know you know. He, he wouldn't have done that if he, if he didn't have confidence in Samaje and think that he was a, he was a contributing player. So, I, I think he's going to stick around. And Billy mm-hmm. likes to say that he has no influence in personnel. It's not like he's up there you know, pulling strings and calling teams and making trades, but he's got influence. He's got some amount of influence. If he feels really strongly about something either way, his voice is heard. He's not the final decision maker. He's, but he's, I mean, Sam Presti loves Billy Donovan. Mm -hmm. He really respects him. And if Billy Donovan feels really strongly about something with basketball, they, they listen because he's a smart guy. And uh, I think he, he doesn't hold a ton of weight in terms of decision-making in the front office or anything like that, and I don't want to give that impression because that's not true. But a lot of people in there respect his opinion a lot, and if you feel strongly about something, they say, okay, maybe we're thinking about this wrong. Let's think about this again because that, that's a thing that's happened before and probably will continue to happen as long as he's there because there are people there who respect his basketball opinion a lot. Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking at the free agent list. Uh there's guys out there that I think they could get, with the with an exception like an Ian Clark. I think could be a good backup point guard. Uh, Shelvin Mack, like these guys are probably the ones that are in their range. And there's not a ton of guys above that. I feel like there's like these top flight guys, and then there's these hit or miss kind of veteran Ramon Sessions type guys. And you you just think that the Thunder are always going to err on the side of some guy that can play defense, and that's why I look at a guy like Shelvin Mack and say, like, oh, you know what, he could he could play backup point um, and defend decently. Um, they should just get Chris Paul. <laughs> yeah, do you think Chris Paul would back up Russ? Yeah, yeah, mid mid level exception. <laughs> uh, it's. Yeah, it's it's gonna it'll be interesting how they fill that. Um, I also think that they might look to fill it through the draft um, again because they they've shown that they like to draft point guards. Could, and there's a couldn't few. you see couldn't you see them just loving Sean Livingston now? 
Oh, man. Yeah, don't you think Sean Livingston's not really a great fit for the second unit for the Thunder? Uh, yeah, I, I don't, but couldn't you see them, like, he's, he's, a, he's like the best. I don't know if you know Sean Livingston's personality at all. He's just, he's the best. He's so impressive. Uh, you know, he's, he's this great locker room guy. He, every single teammate says he's the best teammate. Mm-hmm. He's long, he's rangy, defends multiple positions. He doesn't shoot threes. Like, isn't he the Sam Presti prototype? <laughs> well, and Sam Presti is the guy that basically restarted his NBA career. So yeah, you think- Sean Livingston. Sean Livingston is. I mean, he's he's one. He's a top five backup point guard. Oh, he's great. He's really good. I just. I mean, I guess if you surround him with shooters, that'd be okay. Right. We'll see. What, what if the bench unit is Livingston? And, and Livingston honestly might be too expensive for the mid level anyway. Mm-hmm. But but what if what if the what if it was Livingston surrounded with Abrinus McDermott? Grant and Sabonis, and Sabonis turns into a thirty-five percent three-point shooter. I mean that helped. I mean that would be—he would fit in great there. I almost kind of really like the way that he's used sometimes as even like a small forward, um, where he comes in and just helps move the ball. Uh, but you have to have shooting around him there too. He just—you just have he's to a play really him for good passer. He's a really really good passer. Yeah, he is. He's great passer within an offense. He's not a flashy passer. Mm-hmm. Great passer within an offense, though, and I think that the, the Thunder would like him one because he can he can run an offense, and two because you can play him next to Russ because he's got the size and the ability to defend multiple positions. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, there there are guys. I mean, there 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 are guys. A lot of guys who could be upgrades. So I've got like the the list called up right now, and you've got your. I mean, Darren Williams is not going to come here. The thing is, a lot of these guys aren't necessarily going to come, but they're like. Darren Williams wouldn't, but you've got your Sergio Rodriguez's and Shelvin Max and, mm-hmm. and and Ray Felton's. Ray Felton had a good year this year. And I think Ray Felton is a is a massive upgrade, which is a weird sentence to say, but he is. I agree with you. Ray, Ray Felton had a really he had a really good year this year. He was mm-hmm. he was a top ten backup point guard this year. Yep, he was really quality. Like there there are guys there are guys who are who are quality quality backups. Who you look at and. Maybe they're not the best backups in the NBA, but they're perfectly stable for mm-hmm. your second unit, and that's that is that is fine. That's all you need when you have a top three or four or five point guard in the NBA. Like that's all you need. Mm-hmm. If you have someone who's going to be stable for the thirteen minutes, Russ is off the floor. You're fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard you say on one of your shows that you think that the Thunder should get a stretch four, like spend that money, the mid level money on a stretch four. Uh, do you have anybody in mind with that? I think the Thunder do need a stretch four, and I guess theoretically they could already have him on the roster with Grant or Sabonis. Um, but did you have anybody in mind that's that could be a free agent? Um, no, not in particular. Um, I just kind of think that was that was also kind of in relation to wondering about Ennis Canner's future as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, wouldn't Serge Baca be good? <laughs> What about Jermichael Green? How much money do you think Jermichael Green will make this? Time? I think he's getting more than the mid level. Yeah, I think I think he's more expensive than that. He's good. Mm-hmm. He's a good player. I think he's going to end up getting getting more than that. But I, yeah, I think they could kind of they could kind of use that that four who could shoot on the outside. Um, that's something that could that could help them. There aren't a ton of of guys who shoot the three and are 
and are unrestricted guys out there. There's like they're not. just there aren't a ton of like those guys who are like actually who are actually legitimate players, you know. Super cool bees. Bring in Michael Beasley. Oh, you bring in the bees. <laughs> oh, I'd love to cover him. I would love for him to be here. It will never ever happen. Part of my part of my favorite nickname though, which was uh Trey I mean Trey Kirby had uh when he was with Miami, Trey Kirby Kirby called him and Chris Anderson the bird and the bees. Yes, that's right. Which was great. Uh I like Trey Kirby a lot. He's that great. was a great one. Um, oh, Trey Kirby's hilarious. What about this? One? Uh, what about but yeah, this there one? aren't there aren't there aren't a ton of there aren't a ton of stretch stretch guys out there. What about who I think could be mid level guys? The, I don't think this is a solution to any problem. But what about Jeff Green? <laughs> that is how so many teams' demise have started. <laughs> That's why Orlando sucked this year. What about Jeff Green? Quoth Orlando, quoth the Clippers, quoth Memphis, Memphis quoth Boston. Boston. What about Jeff Green? Man, what about I, him? I don't know why he's. I don't know why he's bad. I know he's. I know he's not helpful. Um, but the look. I, it depends. It depends on what his market is. Yeah. How? What? What are you giving him in this scenario? Two years, sixteen million. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I think I think Jeff Green has kind of had a reputation to where, like, everyone responds the way that I just responded. But, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, look, if he he got fifteen million dollars this year, and that was crazy. Yes, and that was a a, a weird way for them to use. Oh my god! For them to use cap space. Yes, and like Doc with the Clippers gave up a first round pick to rent him, and yeah. that was crazy too. And that was also crazy. That's very uh, odd. But in relation to the other wings, but yeah, no thunder. that that would be that would be okay. He can play the three. He can play the four. Mm-hmm. He's actually not an awful defender. It's not he's a, just. I wonder if the perception of him would change if he's only thought of as a backup fourth or fifth wing slash four. I wonder if the perception changes. Like if we were well, to slide the him into the perception rarely to, changes, but maybe the reality does. Yeah. Like yeah, if, I mean that 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 could that could work. That could be okay. Look, this is this is exactly what Jeff Green does though. He listens to this conversation. Yeah, that could work. Then you get desperate in contract <laughs> negotiations. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, sure, we'll bring you in for two for thirty two. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> yeah, that would be bad. Yeah, I think there's players in the league that are the idea of them is much better than who they really are. And Jeff Green has been that guy for a long time. I think Rudy Gay is one of those guys for a lot of people. They're like, oh, yeah, definitely. He's a he's a big wing. He can he can probably defend guys and he can score. Have you seen his stats? The guy can score. And it's like, well, well Rudy <laughs> Gay, can't believe it took us this long to mention Rudy Gay. The Thunder were linked to him all season, and it infuriated me up until he tore his Achilles. Uh, well, he could he could be cheap. I have no idea what his market's going to be. You think that he would take like a like a cheap one year deal just to rehab and just to see what he can do? Maybe I, I don't I don't know what he's thinking, or I don't know if he's in a position where he wants to limit risk and he wants to sign the longest possible deal. Yeah, in which case I wouldn't sign him because he's oh. coming off an Achilles injury, which is about as serious as they come, and that's tough. Like, how many guys have? 
recovered even to 75% level after an Achilles injury. Not that many. No. Um, the most recent probably being Wes Matthews. Mm-hmm. But Wes Matthews is like really at 75%. Like he's not as good as he was in Portland. Right. And uh, has not lived up to that contract that he signed in Dallas. Even if he is still an above average player, he's just Portland. He was, he was really, really good. And he's not really, really good anymore. He's just not the, he's not the post up guy. He's not able to create his own shot. He's not nearly as quick. Um, he's not quite the on ball defender that he was in Portland. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's a risk. And Rudy Gay is older. He's older than Wes. So, Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know if that's like Wes Matthews is also like his reputation is like that dude is like the hardest worker ever. Right. Yeah, like it's not shocking that one of the guys. Obviously, a lot of this is out of your hands. It doesn't matter how hard you work. If you're hurt, you're hurt. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can do. But it's not necessarily shocking that if somebody were going to come back, it would be Wes Matthews while still in his twenties being able to work his way back because everybody talks about how West Matthews is just like the hardest worker, most competitive guy ever. Uh, and I, I don't know how many other players are like that, like have that, that same work ethic and, and determination to be able to get to that point. It's just really hard to come back from even in 2017, but that all the medicine is today. Like it's really hard to come back from an Achilles. If Rudy Gay wants to come to Oklahoma city, sign a one year minimum deal and says, Hey, if I suck, then you can bench me. It's fine. I'd be like, okay, cool. Yeah, one year minimum, sure. <laughs> yeah, like, they would have to. I just, I'm not giving Rudy Gay multiple years coming off no. an Achilles. That's that's not something that I would do. Lincoln Lending understands that not all lenders are created equal. With the most competitive interest rates and highly trained professionals, Lincoln Lending will communicate and accommodate your every need throughout the home buying process. Getting approved has never been easier with Lincoln Lending's new mobile app and website. Download the Lincoln Lending app in the App Store and Google Play Store. Visit our website at www.lincolnok.com or call 799-LEND to apply today. Lincoln Lending. Not all lenders are created equal. NMLS 398026. Would you do a one-year $8 million deal for Rudy Gay? Depends on what his expectations are. He expects to be, I don't know. What does Rudy Gay expect anywhere? I have no idea. Yeah, no, I, 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 I wasn't expecting you to give me an answer. Okay. I just, it depends. If, if I, the reason I say that is because if, if his expectations on that one for eight is you're going to give me tons of playing time until I get it so I can boost my stock for next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no way. Then no, no, I wouldn't do that because you run a danger of him hijacking the offense. But if, if the expectations are that he's just going to be a solid bench player and he's happy to take that role and revert into another point in his career – then maybe that's something that I would consider if he convinced me that that was something he was willing to do. So it kind of all depends on what what he wanted. I wouldn't want Rudy Gay being upset every time he touched the floor and then hijacking my offense the whole time and becoming the Rudy Gay show when I have Russell Westbrook. I also think Rudy Gay is a terrible compliment stylistically for Russell Westbrook. Oh, yeah. No, he, it doesn't fit at all. He likes to take a ton of mid-range shots. He likes to post up. He's, I mean, he's couldn't be further from what the league is moving toward right he's not a floor spacer no uh he, he he's he doesn't really move off the ball like it's it, he's not he's not a good russell westbrook guy no. if i have russell westbrook my starters 
I want guys to be good shooters who don't care if they touch the ball for all that long. Mm-hmm. And and guys who can shoot and guys who can defend. That's what I want next to Russ. People talk about, like, Russ has to play this way. Russ wants to play this way. Are you kidding me? Sure. Like, Russ wants to play this way. If Russ didn't want to play this way, guess what? He wouldn't play this way. <laughs> uh, how much do you think C.J. Miles would command? He's 29, great shooter, uh, adequate defender. I would be so happy if they signed C.J. Miles. C.J. Miles is, like, one of the best interviews in the NBA. Be great, and he's and he's a good fit. Like he is everything that you just described. Doesn't seem to care if he he's not going to handle the ball. He's going to be a guy that's going to spot up and shoot. Yeah, I think he's going to be too expensive, though. Yeah, it's yeah he he should be too expensive. I'll I'll say that he should be too expensive and so, unless he's actively willing to take less money for whatever reason to come to mm-hmm. Oklahoma City. Uh, yeah, I think he'll be. I think his market at least will be too expensive. I have no idea what CJ Miles is thinking. I would be so happy, though. It would be like the only time where a journalist would come in on the recruiting pitch for a team. <laughs> I would just I would break every sort of like journalistic ethic. And I'd be like, no, you guys have got me. I'm helping you bring him in because he is such a good interview. I, I, I have a thing with like a couple of a couple other friends who cover the league. And it's like an all star team for like unexpected role player guys who are amazing interviews. Yeah. And the name of the team is literally the CJ Miles All-Stars. Bring him in. He, he's great. He would be the new Amo, who is who is on the CJ Miles All Stars. He's just a great fit all around. He shot fifty percent from the corners uh, this past season. He's forty six percent the year before. The interviews, the interviews. <laughs> he's so smart. He's such a crazy smart guy. And it's and he's like open and raw, and he's just he's awesome. Anthony Morrow is on that team for sure, but CJ Miles, it's he's the namesake. He, and he's a guy that the Thunder tried to get in restricted free agency uh, way back when. So you know that Sam Presti likes him. Um, yeah, that's a that's a good call. But it's he, been would a long be, time. he would be a nice fit. Uh, okay. Any, anything else? Anything else you think the Thunder will do this summer? Any, any bold predictions before you go? Oh, any bold predictions? You know me. I'm always just spouting off as many hot takes as I can. <laughs> or bold theories. You always got a theory. I do. I do have. I, I do like theories. I do usually have theories. I'm, I'm trying to think. My my mind is. I'm kind of in off season mode right now, where my mind is kind of. I'm just generally dumber in the off season. <laughs> hey, I'm do you kinda, have any Ennis Cantor theories? Going. Forward. Yes. I have you been following Ennis Cantor's world tour? By the way, on a little, Twitter? a little bit. Yes. She's in a different country every day. Yeah. And he's doing, like, the most hilarious and cliche things in every country. It's like, hey, what, what are you going to do in the Philippines? And it's going to be Manny Pacquiao? And he's like, yep. <laughs> of course I am. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it would be the most fun thing to do. He was in South Korea, which he described, by the way. He didn't say he was going to South Korea. Do you know, do you know what he said? He said he's going to the good one. Yeah, he said, he said I'm going to Korea, the good one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's so good. I, he's so good. I don't want him to leave, but I want him to leave. He's so funny. Uh, I I think I'm putting I, I I'm putting him at like a 55 to 60 percent probability that he sticks around. Okay, but I at some point I might lower that to 51 mm-hmm. or like 50.01. 
it's all dependent on the market, right? It's like all, that's what it's dependent on. It always is, my friend. Yeah. It's always dependent on the market. Yeah, I mean, if they can get whatever they deem his price, if they can get even what less than what they deem his price for him, like a little bit less, I think they pulled the trigger on that deal because they're going to be conscious of the luxury tax. Mm-hmm. They're really close to approaching that, and they'd like to re-sign Andre Robertson. And, and Ennis is just, especially now that, they're pretty open about thinking that Jeremy Grant is is a four, and e- even Presty talked about in his exit interview about how uh, Doug McDermott can play some more small ball four. Like they they are pretty open about guys playing the four, and if McDermott's going to play a little small ball four, and Grant is mostly going to play the four, and they like his defense, they like Sabonis as a piece moving forward, and they have Adams, and and you know. Those are bigs. Those are a mm-hmm. lot of bigs, and 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 like we said, like they they could potentially try to sign a stretch four. That could be a spot where they could try to get shooting, and that would obviously correspond with a canner move. But there there are a lot of a lot of things that that you know, there's a lot there are a lot of pieces there with the bigs that that just crowd up that position, and and it's a, a lot of them are you know canner. I don't know how much canner's game fits with them like moving forward obviously it's always been an awkward fit but like in 2018 it's going to be an even more awkward fit than it was in 2015 like watch these playoffs every singles team response to something not going well is okay we're just going to go smaller yeah I mean, even san antonio who has every single one yeah, yeah every single team the response is okay you know we'll just go smaller and then it works and yeah. and it's going to become and and Going small is not necessarily size. Like it's it's it, people think going small just means putting in a small guy. Like Jeremy Grant at the four isn't really defensively it's going small, but offensively it's not going small. Like mm-hmm. you're not he hangs around the perimeter, but guys still don't really guard him on the perimeter. Thus, the ninety four percent of open three point shots. Right. But but going going small is is based on a skill set and. Maybe if Canner starts really consistently shooting threes, which would obviously change his style a lot more, then that's at least offensively going small. It's not defensively going small because there's no versatility defensively and those lineups are going to get rocked. But like that's it's not um, I just don't really see that as a thing that they can do to where they can get Canner a sufficient amount of minutes, um, especially during postseason series against really good teams, which are capable of going small when they can just kind of play him off the floor like Houston did, like Golden State did the year before. Mm-hmm. I have a trade idea before tough. you go. Yeah, yeah, hit me up. Let's hear it. Cantor to the Kings for Anthony Tolliver and Willie Cauley-Stein. Yeah, Cantor to the Kings is interesting. Mm-hmm. Because they are kind of built around a low-post presence and they don't have a low-post presence. Yep. And I could see Vivek like being in love with Cantor's. I could see like... Vladi, like really liking Canner's low post game and his oh, offense. Yeah. I mean, he is an unbelievable offensive player. Oh, he's good. He's he's a good. I mean, if this was six years ago, the, the Thunder wouldn't even dream of trading in his Canter. He's twenty four. He's a low post scorer. He's he's he can stretch out a little bit. I mean, he's great. Um, if, if this were if this were nineteen ninety two, and his Canter would be one of the biggest stars in the NBA. <laughs> Seriously, he seriously would. He no, seriously he would, would. He would because he, he'd be playing. He'd be starting at center for someone, and he'd be getting thirty three minutes a game. You'd mm-hmm. probably be averaging like twenty one and eleven. Mm-hmm. 
and he'd be dominating the low post against everybody. Like he would be one of the biggest stars in the league. Yep. There's no question. I don't think like if if you average twenty and ten, you're you're a star in 1992. Yep. It, nothing else mattered. If you were twenty and ten in 1992, you were a star. What do you think about my trade idea? Possible, it's not a probable all star. I think it's interesting. You want to bring in two more bigs? I don't know, <laughs> but I don't know who else on the Kings that you want to get. Um, Willie Stein would be interesting. Man, like that it. bench lineup. Bench lineup would be um, a bench lineup would be quite athletic. Yeah. Like Collie Stein at the five and Grant at the four. Yeah. So much dunking. And those guys can switch. Both of them can. Right. Right. No, I, 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 I see like the Tyson Chandler thing in, in Collie Stein. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't mean to say that he's going to be as good as Tyson Chandler. Right. Tyson Chandler's had a tremendously underrated career. Oh man. He's incredible. Should have been on the thunder. Thanks a lot. Toe. <laughs> Um, I'll let you go Fred thanks for coming on the show today we can follow you on Twitter at Fred Katz we can read your stuff with the Norm transcript you're doing uh, kind of player evaluations or player reviews on the Norman transcript and also on Locked on Thunder so go read and listen to Fred and have a wonderful Monday 